Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Hey, thanks for coming back to the show. This is episode 114 of the Life After Business podcast. And today's guest name is Brandon Hall. He owns a company called BGH Valuation Services. And he's kicking off a three-part series that I'm doing here about valuating your company. The next episode is gonna be Ryan Turbis, who is a CPA in the M&A space, talking about net proceeds and how to calculate how much you get and why. And then the next episode is gonna be John Warlow discussing the value driver system and how to increase the value of your company. So the reason that I wanted to do this because I really want you, the listener, to understand how to tie your company's valuation into your ultimate exit, understanding how you're going to get paid, when you're going to get paid, and then how to strategically increase the value of your company in light of where you want to go. And so Brandon today on the show has an awesome background that gives him a really unique perspective on business valuations. He describes to us all the different ways you determine your free cash flow, understanding what EBITDA is, understanding how to determine what the risk is with your business compared to others and other investments and how to really understand the value of your company and what that means to someone else and a potential buyer. It's all about free cash flow and transferability. It's a great way to launch into really determining what are the things that matter to you now and where you want to go. A couple actionable items that you have from this episode is one is you can go onto the show notes onto the GEXP website and you can get a value builder system report, understanding where you are at in the eight key drivers. We also subscribe to a software called Biz Equity where you can go get a free business valuation. And that is not the certified valuation that Brandon does. This is just something that is giving you a baseline. And there's only, I believe, uh, room for 10 or 15 free valuations. And then once you do it, we will then send you the the full report. And then also reach out to Brandon Hall because he's giving a $500 discount on a certified valuation if that's the route you need to go because of where you're at in the life cycle of your business. So I really hope you learn and take a lot out of this episode. We really go into a lot of different things. We juke and jive, but then we always circle back to to finalize our thoughts. And we really are tying your exit, the valuation, where you're going and how to do certain things today to get a better outcome. So really hope you enjoy this episode with Brandon Hall. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Morning, Brandon. What's going on? Not too much. How you doing, Ryan? Doing good. Uh, so super excited to have you on the show. You and I have gotten to know each other um, pretty well over the last uh, handful of months. And absolutely love what you're doing. And I think you and I went from uh, totally strangers on LinkedIn and then <laughs> we just... Have, having weekly meetings, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so for the, for the listeners who have had no idea what the heck we've been talking about, um, can you give them a little bit of your background? And, I, you know, don't, don't spare too many details because I think, you know, your, your journey into what you're doing right now gives you a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so it, I'll try to see how far I want to go back, but kind of everything kind of leads up to, you know, usually for anyone, everything kind of leads up to what you're doing, you know, today. So I, um, I guess I'll start off, you know, so I, I have an accounting degree. 
uh, undergrad, uh, went to St. Cloud State. And I mean, at some point through, you know, when you're high school, through years after, I didn't, I didn't go to school quite, uh, college quite after high school. I did some traveling and trying to figure out, you know, where you want to go with your career and numbers kind of, you know, numbers and analytics and um, stuff like that kind of always been my interest. So you were doing construction before you went to, I was, yeah. So I, I <laughs> Not know always, far, right? <laughs> no, no. I didn't know how far back you wanted to go. So yes, no, I started off blue collar. So I did, uh, and, and it, it was good. It was an awesome experience. I, I was able to work with great people. I seen, um, you know, a, a, on a high level, a little bit how, you know, a, a small companies run, uh, work ethic, you know, you learn, you learn to work long hours and, conditions that are not ideal. So summer, winter, um, I mean, I've had, it's just interesting the amount of different jobs that I had before I went to the, uh, I guess you'd say the, the white collar type um, business. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was roofing, uh, painting, uh, finished carpentry, so all these little things that, which ended up figuring out that's not what I wanted to do for, for, for a career, but good experience nonetheless. So from there, yeah, I ended up going into uh, accounting, got my accounting degree, kind of went the typical route, but did, uh, went public accounting at a, uh, a big company, regional company in Minnesota here, Baker Tilly. I uh, got did a little tax work, got into auditing, so auditing financial statements from companies that are ranging from one million, couple million to a billion. So you get a wide range of companies you're diving into the financial statements, looking at uh, strengths, looking at risk, and then uh, did a short, uh, about three, four years there, and then I decided uh, public accounting wasn't for me, good experience, so then I went into the private industry, uh, landed a job at Polaris, Polaris Industries, at their corporate office. That was, that was exciting. They were, at that time, they were very active, and they still might be in the mergers and acquisition space. So what they were doing, they were buying, they were buying a bunch of smaller companies and then inputting them in their distribution channel and you know essentially getting a return on their investment. And so that was kind of my first, you know, kind of lead into what I'm going to get to is my valuation where I'm at now. That was kind of my first insight of not only, you know, learning the, the, the base of, of a company, the financial, the accounting, but valuation, you know, why is a company buying or, or why an individual would buy a company for X price when there's kind of this word called intangibles, goodwill included in it, you know, con mm -hmm. customer list. So that was kind of my first, like, hey, this is interesting. And then from there, I kind of continued my career with Polaris. Uh, then I did a, a stint at uh, Best Buy Corporate. So kind of seeing a, a bigger uh, type company, their, their atmosphere. And, uh, you know, they're a $40 billion company. Did some, had some experience there. And then from there, that's, that was kind of my deciding point that I want to do strictly valuation and I wanted to dive into it. So I just went head first Just started, uh, started a company. Uh, you know, I, I went to the proper channels, got certified and just essentially just said, bring it on as much information <laughs> as I can take in a steep learning curve. So that was, uh, that was, uh, three years ago. And now here I am today. And that's why your background, Brandon is why I find it so intriguing when, when you and I sat down and we were talking about all the problems that we both have seen because of my experience in our family business and all the clients I work with and your diverse background. And all, I mean, you've done 135 valuations or something like that, right? And you, you see a lot of stuff and it's a lot of these up and down the street, normal entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out what are my options? What's going on? What's my company worth? And we started just, you know, I, I just, you and I see the world very similar. And I think it's because of your, all the experience you've got. And I can't believe that you went from 
literally shoveling to like tearing through spreadsheets. It's, you don't hear a lot of people that go through that. Um, but you know, what are, you know, out of 134 plus valuations that you've done, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you start to see that are, you know, why are people getting valuations? How do they end up coming to you? And you know, what's like, yeah, you kind of follow my, my, my thought process because you're, you're getting these clients for a reason. And what is the interaction you're having and what are they looking for? And what are the questions that they usually have? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess, so can I give you a little background here? So, for sure. you know, when I started, you know, I probably, you know, was thinking, I mean, we we're thinking a lot of the same things as how, you know, we're getting for these business owners. There's, there's issues. They're trying to figure out what, what they should do. A lot of these businesses are, you know, owner operators. So, I mean, maybe under 5 million or they're, they're, they're in the business. It's most likely their biggest asset. It's their investment. It's their retirement. And, um, unfortunately, a lot of them are, when it comes to what they should sell their business for, what, what kind of value do I have in this? They're left, um, looking for answers. I have a lot of questions on trapped, that. Right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. They feel trapped. Uh, they're, they're, they feel so tied in the business and, and a lot of these things go, they go unnoticed or they, they just don't start thinking about these things sooner and where they get to a point where they get to that point where they're I don't know, whatever age and they're like, Hey, I want to get out now. And it's almost like from that point on, they're, they're being so reactive. They're being reactive to just trying to get out of the business. And there's a lot of things that they haven't thought about that they could have done better if maybe they had more exposure or, or had a baseline, which is kind of what you're providing them. Right. And, you know, maybe go well for a little bit of context too, for the listeners too, when you say 5 million ish, are you referring to like the value of the company? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Good. The reason I think that I wanted to note that is because so many people, which I think we're going to get into as you describe the inner workings of valuations and how they work and things to look out for, which we're going to get into the meat of it. But you know, there's a $10 million revenue business that could be worth only 5 million bucks, which is what we're going to get into, right? So, I mean, there's, you know, there's yeah. a huge, you know, range of revenues. It's not just the small up and down the street companies. I mean, this is like main street, you know, businesses that we're talking about, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's the, that, and that's the interesting about valuation, you know, cause when you look at it as, as an investment or if someone's looking to purchase it, you know, they're, they're looking for a return on their investment, but, you know, as you know, there, there's so much things that are unique with a business. It's not as you can take this, you know, owner operator, this unique business that has all these, you know, intangibles, which we can talk about, kind of get into later and compare it to another, you know, comparable investment. So there's a lot of things that vary and that you got to look into where it's not where you can say for exact, you know, exactly what you just mentioned, you could have a, let's say a $10 million uh, company in, in sales that could be worth the same or similar to a company that's doing five million, or you know, or you know, depending mm -hmm. on what type of cash flow that they're getting, you know, getting a return on their company on their company. Well, and that's what, and we're going to get into all this for the listeners. We're going to be diving really for, far into you know the 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 inner workings of how branded and certified valuations are happening, and you know, you know, before we do that. Maybe can you kind of give us give us a lay of the land, Brandon, on you know what is a certified valuation? What are the different you know valuation methods that are out there? Because I think a lot of people go, "What's my business worth?" And you know, mm -hmm. again, they, there's so much 
ambiguity around there. Uh, so what, and what are the challenges that you see? Because you've, you've been exposed to a lot of different parts of even your industry and on the other side. Good question. Good question. So, and that's, and that's the, you know, trying to bridge that gap. So when we talk about certified valuations, when I got into this, I, what I looked out and I seen you got this huge group of, of business owners that, you know, potentially are looking to exit the market and the, the, they just are looking for some sort of, you know, advice or, or information or, or some starting point of, of, of value of where their company's at. So, and, and they were intimidated by going to, you know, there's, there's the big, bigger firms that do certified valuations and there was kind of a stigma about how expensive they were. So, and then now you got technology improving so there's a, you know, there's this boom of technology that are making things easier information, you know, the big mm-hmm. keywords, big data. So you're, you're able to utilize technology to get information that before you weren't able to do. So, you know, to kind of tell you where I'm going with this is, so you got maybe these, you know, software type, you know, calculators or these things where they can, you know, help with the value or these rule of thumbs. So, you know, so my point is, is you got this, you know, where it help on a base level, you know, uh, to kind of assist to, to help you where, you where you start. And then you got these certified valuators where um, there's a stigma how they're really expensive. So to try bridge that gap where you can kind of bring a lot of expertise and help into this equation, being that businesses are so unique, there's so much different things, moving parts that can be missed that, you know, if there's something that's and then we can get into a couple scenarios why and how that, you know, how that can impact your value. But essentially, let's try bridge the gap where I can do a certified valuation or I can look at some of the things your businesses are doing and how it impacts your value. Well, and, and we're going to get into, and this is a good bridge into like the actual ways that you do a business valuation, right? Because, you know, here's, and you're going to be able to give me some pushback on this uh, and, and some technical reasons. And I know that we're going to dive into it is, Okay, so your business is worth what someone's willing to pay for, which is what I always say, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you got CPAs or wealth managers or, you know, all the, I mean, bankers or, or <laughs> the um, state attorneys, all of these different professionals have a different reason to give your business a valuation. But like, mm-hmm. and you know, we're going to be tying this at, back, uh, back together at the end of it, but like who buys it and why depends on what they're going to pay and, 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 and how they're going to pay it. So my partner, Jim, always says evaluations in art, not a science. So to go in there and crunch through these numbers and go, hey, by the way, this is what it's worth. And that's why I always joked around where like, you know, these, you're going to pay 20 grand for one of the big four to come in, look mm-hmm. at some BS comps that, uh, you know, who bought it, why it, it's all total, like mystical, like, you know, fairy dust, unless there was an actual transaction that went down. So and I know, and I, I know you've got some technical <laughs> ways to describe on how you're doing this. So, you know, how, how would you explain that to listeners where they're not technically going for a transaction right now? Or like, you know, there's, there's other, re- you know, there's reasons that you're going to do evaluation, but you know, what are the ways to, what are the ways and what are the things that you're measuring to get to that baseline? Cause you do need a baseline regardless. So just because I said it's an art and you have to wait for the transaction doesn't mean you, you have to, I mean, you have to find out a baseline at some point. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think you can, you know, depending on, for, I guess for one, depending on what you're planning on using this evaluation for, what's your purpose. Um, so, 
you know, why would I, that, why would that matter? Well, I guess, I guess to your different reasons why you'd want or need evaluation. So, and I think you kind of asked this early on, and I might not, not answer it as far as, you know, the different reasons why I would, someone would come to me and ask for evaluation. So to kind of answer that. So let's say someone's going through a divorce and they need to split, split up their marital assets. So that instance, you, um, you might be looking for a more certified valuation that can hold up in a court setting. So when you're negotiating this, this value and who's getting what, um, that you're going to lean towards having a more detailed report based off just the, 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 the reason why you need it. Um, and not saying that's saying that's going to be more accurate value or not, but you're, you're doing a lot more due diligence, I guess I should say to, to provide support for Two that people value. playing tug of war over the cash flow. Yes. And, that, and that's a whole different story. In my <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go into that. <laughs> my, my opinions on when it gets into that kind of type of battle and maybe it's starting to get away from what's actual common sense and what this is actually worth into more of a, you know, who could get more or pay less for, for this mm-hmm. business. But mm-hmm. so that's, I guess that's an instance for, you know, a certified valuation. Uh, there's, you know, buy sell agreements, there's SBA financing, which, you know, that's a, a big part of what I do is, you know, mergers and acquisitions, uh, small business loan. That's, you know, someone's buying a business and they're using a small business loan, you know, that they're, mm-hmm. I guess there's right, there's regulations in place. There's things in place to, you know, make sure the buyer, that price is justified. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you did especially your part, small, especially if the government's backing and guaranteeing. government's guaranteeing a, 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 you know, a good percentage of it. So there's some things in place that kind of like, okay, we did our due diligence. It matched it. it, it and I guess to, in, to your point, when you mentioned, you know, your business is worth what someone is willing to pay for it, which, which is true. I mean, you could say on paper, my business is worth X amount, but if no one's willing to pay that price, well, it's not going to be worth that much. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, just to kind of play devil's advocate, potentially you could be in a situation where the buyer may not be, you know, well educated in all, all the things that, you know, may make this business worth X amount or not. So mm-hmm. it's almost saying the buyer could, could be getting into a situation where it might not be getting the best return on that investment or what mm-hmm. they're perceiving it to be. So, you know, to their point is that's why sometimes it's helpful to get some insight from evaluation expert or someone that has knowledge that can point out things that the buyer might have missed. So that's kind of SBA financing kind of comes into play. Well, and I think let's, let's dive into, you know, for, for the listeners, like how is a business valued? Because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the, the common stuff that's out there is a multiple of EBITDA, right? Oh, yeah. my industry gets the three to three five or like, you yeah. know, I heard my friend got 11 times and all, <laughs> <laughs> right. There's all these different things that are thrown out, but you know, regardless, let's, you know, let's take it, you know, from, you're just trying to value a company. Let's take the the buyers or the different exit options out of the picture for right now. I think Brandon, because yeah. um, you know, we can tie it back in and how that might affect the, the value one way or another. But you know, there's a very technical way to do, to look at that return on an investment, right? And to look at all the risks that are associated with it. And I think that's what, you know, you do a very good job of diving in and understanding that. So regardless of what direction you wanted to go, you know, there's 90% of it that should be the same. And there's all these outlying variables that'll impact it. But, you know, let's kind of dive into like, what are some of the things that you're doing and that people do in order to understand what the true value of a company is? Good question. So, and that's the beauty of valuation because you can make it as complicated as you want, or you can make it, you know, 
on a higher level as simple as you want. So there's a lot of different variables into valuing a business. So and I'll try kind of take it on a more of a higher level level approach because there's people in my industry that you can you can negotiate and, and, and argue over it, just one little aspect of, of evaluation. So so get to your point on multiple EBITDA. That's probably the most common or a lot of people hear that. Am I getting 3X, 4X, 5X? Uh, what's my EBITDA? So to kind of walk you through that where there could be some issues with that and how I you know, am valuing a company is, is where you got your, your cash flow. So you got an equation. Essentially, you got your equation on the top. You got your what type of cash flow does this business produce? And then the bottom of your equation is your it could be, you know, a multiple capitalization rate, discount rate. Essentially, that is, you know, what is my risk of this cash flow continuing in the future? So, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is my return? So mm-hmm. all these things, you know, those are the two, really every value, valuation of a business, is those are the two things that are going into it. So and then can I, before, can I pause for a second there too, Brandon? Because I think, you know, you had mentioned it earlier where, so when you said whether it's discounted cash flow, cap rate, or the multiple of the, I mean, what you're referring to and you mentioned earlier, it's the asset and the risk associated with an asset because it's technically an investment, right? So everybody in real estate knows the cap rate and everybody yep. in stocks knows their, their rate of return or, uh, or uh, the PE ratio. So there's a, there's, you're putting money in and you're getting money back. And that's essentially what you're trying to determine. What is this? What's the value of that? And what's the risk with it, right? Yeah. So, so to kind of further, you know, explain that the bottom of the equation, the cap rate or the multiple, I mean, it's essentially like any other investment. You know, if you look at, you know, if you're talking about real estate, everybody, you know, most of the people that understand that cap rate, you know, it's, it's going to be a lower, you know, I don't know, six to eight, four to eight percent, being that that's a more um, lower risk investment or it's a more easier way to calculate what kind of return I'm getting on this asset. So same thing with the business is you're, you're, you're going through that, these processes, looking at everything inside the business that comes to what is your rate of return? Um, what's your, what's your risk? Um, what's, uh, you know, what's, if I'm, if I'm investing X amount into the business, I want to have some sort of, you know, return back on that investment. So, so that's, you know, on a high level, that's what this is all about and how to get that is you go through these different methods as, as evaluator. And we can kind of get into that, um, where you're looking at it. Yeah. Let's, why don't you dive into, you know, maybe just for the people that, you know, it, I find that 50, 50 people that understand EBITDA and some people that don't, um, but yeah. you call it free cash flow, seller's discretionary earnings, all right. these different things. But like, you know, how do you find that top of the equation? Cause there's a lot of games that get played on, you know, mitigating taxes and like, you know, all the different things, but like maybe kind of, how do you find that? How do you actually find the true number there? So again, that's a really good part where it comes to the art of, of evaluation. Um, cause you can, you can have, I mean, if there's one part of the equation that's not actually capturing what's going on, your value is going to be off. So, mm-hmm. so when, you, when you talk about EBITDA, you know, earnings before income, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, there's businesses that are going to have a, I guess, incentive to have that as low as possible for tax reasons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's different methods to try to keep that low or, you know, you're looking at, so when I look at it, you know, kind of talk this through. So when I look at a business, what we're trying to figure out is what is the economic benefit of that business? What is the, what is the normalized cash income that that business is going to receive on a, on a, you know, yearly basis. 
So that being said, what we got to look at is to get to that, I guess, normalized EBITDA or get to some sort of, you know, free cash flow. What money's coming in the door and what money's going what's out? Going out. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and, and so you look at it, you go through this. And this is where when I'm talking through these different business owners where they don't quite understand is, you know, when we bring up things like personal expenses, you know, it's like this is this is a point where it's very important to look at your financials historically and be able to quantify and identify expenses that are, you know, not related to the business, you know, and that's, you know, something where some of the benefits of being a business owner and, and it happens all the time where there's certain expenses that are, you know, vehicle expenses or gas or certain, you know, personal expenses that are getting run through the business. You got to, you got to identify those and pull those, you know, and add those back or, you know, use some sort of approach to, to, to capture those. I, uh, I gave a presentation to this group of business owners and I had the funniest quote I ever heard was there's not one of us in here that know how much tires cost. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's, right. just, it's just expense and I've it's never expense. bought, I've never bought some, <laughs> never bought them. It's, it's just an expense. And that's, and that's the thing is, um, and it's funny when, you know, when I'm talking to certain business owners, it, it, it can become kind of a touchy subject where it's like, wait a minute, what? I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to just let you know what type of expenses I'm running through the business. And fair enough, fair enough. You don't necessarily, you know, that's essentially the valuation. The more information that we have, the more, I guess, accurately that we can capture, you know, what the, the value. So, well, and let's, let's dive into why that matters too. Cause it, and I want to make sure that we also touch on it as we're talking about this normalized EBITDA brand. And I think it's so important because yeah, so like, let's, if you think about the flip of that is, Okay, so if I have like my insurance, my car, my truck, my tires, my gas, I mean, like random trips, and, you know, because yeah. it's quote unquote a business trip, client trip, but by the way, we stayed an extra three days in Florida. I mean, yeah. all those kind of things, you know, let's say it's like even just your car, let's say it's 20 grand yep. a year, right? So then you got that 20 grand, and I'm curious on how you, had, like, as you're going through this and you're applying it to the equation, but that 20 grand a year, if you're multiple, and I want to make sure I want you to describe in your terms of how, how, like what that multiple means, but that multiple is applied to that EBITDA. So if it's 20 grand a year and it's times five, I mean, that's a hundred grand that you are not getting because yes. your EBITDA is 20 grand less because you didn't want to talk about that truck. Exactly. And that's where I think it's important to kind of lay that out. So they understand on their end where, you know, you know, on, on a multiple side, so that's it's that equation that we were talking about earlier. You know, on the on the top end, you got the the cash flow. So if you're not capturing twenty thousand that this business actually, you know, produces, you know, by taking out the personal expenses that are not relating to the operating company, then on that bottom end, it's like whatever. So you know, when we go through calculating our, you know, when I look at a evaluation, I do a multiple of methods to get to, yeah, at the end of the day, you, you can look at it as a, as a multiple, look at it as, as, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. So, and it kind of describe that a little bit is, so when I do a, you know, a certain income method, I'll look at a capitalization rate. We talked about the way you can look at that. Is, so let's say if I ended up with a 20% cap rate on, on this business. You want to explain so be, just a little bit because I think, you know, people might understand it in real estate, but just, you know, just give a, a nice little yeah. review of it. Yep. Yep. So I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, and there's many different methods and that's the, the, the beauty of valuation. There's a lot of opinions since it's kind of an art and, you know, there's not just a, one way to do things. 
so but I'll talk I'll talk about a little bit mo the most common probably the easiest way to kind of understand uh, on a cap rate or in a rate of return method that we look at is which is called the buildup method so essentially what it does is it starts you know we're trying to take this business and what that rate of return would be on a similar investment right so the buildup method is is it builds up from starting point which is going to be a risk-free rate which you know usually is a 20-year uh, treasury bond rate mm -hmm. which i think right now it's about three percent so so you start with that and you add on to get to at the end of the day you're getting to your capitalization rate which best reflects this business so from there you got your risk-free rate of three percent you add on the risk of an equity investment which the equity risk premium and usually that's through uh we look at a you know not to get too detailed but we got a lot of information dating back to like 1926 through now you know gathering data of what an equity risk mm -hmm. you know uh premium and just to kind of give you a little bit about that's usually between you were from you know depending on what method you're using five to seven percent let's say mm -hmm. and then from there the next layer you're adding on is, is, is just being that a small company there's a small company risk there's a size premium that we that we're adding on to capture this this company being that there's certain things that just being a, a, a owner operator or a company that's smaller than a, than some of these companies we see as, as a public company there's certain challenges and certain risks that you're taking on being a small company so we add you know another layer which mm -hmm. again just for simple simple uh, uh, calculation anywhere, anywhere between five and six percent Mm -hmm. And that's through that's through a lot of research and data that we uh, that we uh, use and <clears throat> and study. And from mm -hmm. there, we got an industry risk premium. So again, this is things that I this is kind of good to talk about. So when we're talking about multiples, when someone just says three to five, well, well, look, guys, th there's differences between which industry you're in. Let's say for an example, let's say if you own a liquor store, you're not the owner of that doesn't have to be tied to that business. You know, let, you know, if you're going into a liquor store, how well do you need to know that owner? Right? So you mm -hmm. can be hands off, you can be less tied to your business and you're still having people coming in and, and buying your product. So that would be, so looking at it as an industry, that's a less risky industry. So that's gonna help your multiple. Where another industry where it could be, let's say uh, a service service industry, I, you know, actually, funny. I just appraised a appraisal company, so I appraised an appraisal company. That <laughs> did a house of mirrors. That, yes, exactly. So that was always that's that's that was fun. A commercial real estate appraisal company. And one of the things when I was talking with the with the owner um, and the management team was kind of how hard it is to find you know such as a niche business. It's specialized. It's all dependent on knowledge of the appraiser. Uh, so it's a lot harder business. You know, your market, your industry. It, there, there's Things that are riskier it's harder to sell so that being said that's going to have a little bit of a lower i guess it'd be a higher risk lower multiple so if you, if you kind of understand the inverse relationship of that well and as you know just to kind of even tie the multiple and the the cap rate together i mean the multiple and you might have a better way of articulating this but the the multiple is how many years they're willing to pay up front for that cash flow right i mean so it's a directly really you know so a three is i want a three-year return on the investment yes is there a better yeah, well, way to say that no i think that's i mean I, 
my, my problem is I might try to explain it in some other way and we end up confusing. So that's a good way. <laughs> that's a good way. Just a simple, we'll keep, we'll keep it with that. Well, and then the cap rate is the, is the, 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 the interest rates or the cash flow, right? So that, you know, 20% cash on cash or 10% or, you know, that, that's more correlated to that. And then that's a lot, a lot in real estate, right? Yeah. Real estate is, is an easy way to, I guess you understand the cap rate. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at, you know, your risk, your rate of return on, you know, on your investment. So then Brandon, you know, there's a, um, a lot of people out there and the listeners have a different varying degree of exposure to, you know, value building or, you know, built to sell. John Warlow is going to be on the show again for the second time here coming up pretty soon. Um, so he's got his eight key drivers of value. And then there's Ken Sanginario of what the VOP system or, you know, all these investment bankers or private equity firms look at huge lists of value drivers. And the way I've always described it is it's like the opposite. It's the same coin. So you got value drivers that are the business owner. They want to drive value. And then the opposite side is a buyer's looking for risk. So it's the same stuff, but it's just opposite sides of the same coin. And so those are risk factors that are going into the equation that you're talking about, you know, what are some of the, you know, as you mentioned something about the industry and the size, what are some other ways when you're looking and you're looking at that EBITDA and then you're applying these risks, what are some of the big things that owners should be thinking about? And, you know, to, to just have like an eye opening, like, okay, my, this is like serious stuff that'll impact my value. Yes. No. And that's, that's a great way to lead into this because you know, that next step when I was talking about that cap rate is when you get into this, this specific company risk, um, where you're looking at mm-hmm. specifically this company, what makes it last or more riskier, or you know, especially coming from a buyer's perspective, where essentially it's going to increase or decrease your value. So some of the big ones where so here, it, you know, out of this podcast, the biggest thing I, I would if, to get one point away from this or get something out of this is a business. When you look at value, is the transferability of your cash flow. So you got your business that produces some sort of cash flow, how that transfers to a, to a buyer, to someone else. That's kind of your, that's rule number one. That's one point that you got to think about as, because the easier that is able to transfer, the greater the value, the greater someone's willing to pay for that business. So that being said, now you got to look at all the little things that make up that, you know, transferability. So when you look mm-hmm. at these key drivers, these things that owners can think about, for one, I think the one biggest one that I think a lot of small business owners may not think about where, let's say you start a business, you, you, you have all this, all this time you spent into this, this sweat, blood and tears, and you got some, um, some ownership of it. You feel good. You're, but the problem is, let's say you're really, the business is really reliant on the owner. You have all the relationships. You have everything working through you. You're in the business day to day. That's good because you're able to, you know, for at some point, that's where you have to start and that's how you grow your business. You have some sort of skill set, but there's a point where you got to figure out how to start scaling back. You got to find people to put in place, processes to put in place where the business can run without you, where there's not so much reliance on a key personnel or on an owner. So that is one area that you're going to look at when we're doing evaluation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. A um, couple other areas, client concentration. So we look at, so again, th- these are things that are, it's not so straightforward where I valued a business <clears throat> where they were, let's say, I think they were doing about 4 million in sales. They landed a huge client, a huge client that drove their revenues from 4 million 
to 12 million in three years. So good, you definitely, you don't, you want to service that client and that client made you get to X, you know, X size in revenue, but here's the risk. That client is 90% of their revenue. 90% is coming from that client. That client, you know, someone looking to buy it saying, okay, yeah, you're getting X amount of revenue and cash, but on the flip side of the equation, you're you're 90% concentrated on this one customer where let's say someone you're trying to transfer this this business, a relationship gets broken, something happens, that client goes away, goes to someone else, boom, there goes 90% of your revenue. Mm-hmm. So in the, and there's there's a big list of things, but and I'm guessing well, when you have even even to to make it super <laughs> basic. Mm-hmm. It, so if you think you you know, and the listeners that are in this situation, they know it is is Okay, if you're exhausted because you're working your butt off, that's because everything's relying on you. And why would someone else want to pay money to be in that situation? <laughs> and then, you know, right. the same stomach ache that you go to bed with saying, God, I hope Target doesn't fire us. Why would someone else want to pay for that stomach ache and pay a premium for it? So <laughs> it's like, exactly. you know, I mean, it is really just the feelings and the the energy and the emotions that the owners have. Like, you know, building a machine and a transferable cash flow is good for everybody. It's a better business to be in, but it's also more worth more money because people, why wouldn't, you know, if you could buy, if you could pay some money and you got something that kicked off a bunch of cash, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, of course it's easier said than done, but that's why these are good conversations to have. And these are good things to, for business owners to start thinking about where at certain point in their life, when they're trying to figure out their exit option. They're trying to figure out what do they want out of this business? What do they want out of life? What do they, how do they want to exit? What do they want to do in their, you know, older years? You start thinking about this sooner than later and figuring out, okay, is there a way, is there a way, is there a way I can start scaling back on this business where I can get things in place to run without me? Because not only, and here's, and here's a few things, not only is your life going to be maybe more manageable, more of a balance, you're, you're, you're your investment or your, your, your business that you're building is going to be worth more. So, I mean, there's, there's so many positives that are coming from this. And again, I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, nowadays with the amount of information out there and we could, you can kind of talk into, you know, what, what your company's doing, which, which I'm really excited about, by the way, is how to help these business owners figure out what, you know, how much money they want out of their business, you know, how they're going to exit, and then kind of reverse engineer that and say, okay, you know, if you want to get to here, here are the things that you can do or work on inside your business that essentially is going to make your business worth more. So I want to go back to that, but before I want to, I want to expand on that because I think, you know, some of those things and you're kind of getting into the value building and, you know, because, and, and there's a reason I know you're doing that, but before we, before we go down that rope, Brandon, I, I'm, you know, I just want to dive one more layer deeper into say, honestly, for more yep. you know, of my curiosity, I know our listeners a lot are probably thinking that too. And okay. So I want to go back to like the mechanics of that valuation. And this is where I think, you know, there's a certain point where you, the, 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 the owner or any of the listeners that gets a valuation, they have to be somewhat comfortable that this is kind of a baseline or a benchmark, but it's not finite because there has been no transaction. So let's say, you know, going back to like, you've got the, all the different layers of risk that you're putting on it. And then you got into the business risk. Like, like, like let's say we had a, a million dollars in EBITDA and like, how are you actually applying 
mechanics and calculations to the risk of the owner and client concentration and such versus just kind of arbitrary, like, you know, like shooting a dart against a board. I mean, is there like specific things that, you know, you know, so if you took like the value builder system and, and we can link to that and how to, you know, determine your AQ drivers or well, you have some sort of baseline, but how are they, like, how does that actually correlate to the value and how are you actually applying the, the, the risk adjusted rate of return on that? Okay. So make sure I could understand this right. So what I, so what I'm, you know, looking at the value of the company, how does that all kind of just come? How do you apply these, how are you applying these factors in the calculator that you're, that you're doing? Right. I mean, like, how are you like applying the fact that there's 50% of the million dollars coming from one person? Like, I mean, is there like database, like how are you actually coming up with how that impacts the the cap rate or the, the, the multiple, like do you follow what I'm saying? Like there's like mechanical ways that you have to figure that out. Yeah. Other than, other than yep. the buyer saying, hey, you know what? We already work with Target so that we're not going to discount. I mean, because again, the buyers make a huge difference on this. But, you know, for them to look and say, you know, when Brandon Hall gives them a, a report that explains all this stuff and it's $4 million, like, okay, but, you know, like how do I believe those numbers other than the, the yep. industry expectations? Good question. Now, okay, so to kind of go back on when we're looking at, when you're looking at evaluation, or if you get a certified valuation, some of the things kind of how it's in, and that's why, you know, that's why even for me, I'm continuing to try and prove my, my report, you know, based off the reason. So if a business owner is, is wanting a certified valuation or a calculation of value, you know, some baseline even to, you know, that's my client. So I want to, you know, within the standards, I want to develop a report that's very user-friendly that they can point to and see, oh yeah, this is how it's impacting my value. So when I go through and I look at, you know, I'll look at, you know, and I, and I apologize if we didn't really necessarily get into, into, into these methods, but so for one, we're talking about the income method. You know, that's one that's widely used where we, we got the cash flow, EBITDA, and then we got the rate of return. So there's things that we're, we're capturing on the, on, the, on, the, on the top end of the equation, normalizing the cash flow, taking into account and if there's, let's say, random big earnings or uh, big unusual expenses, one-time expenses, mm -hmm. if there's um, personal expenses. One thing that we look at, you know, that maybe we haven't really touched on is the compensation. So owner, you know, owner that's, running his business can pay himself a salary, whatever he wants, you know, in reasonable, reasonable, uh, range, but you know, he could be working 60 hours a week and his salary saying I'm paying myself 20,000. So if you're looking at EBITDA, if you're looking at EBITDA, those numbers could be very misleading, I guess that you'd say. So one thing that we're going to look at is we're going to, we're going to look at the owner's compensation. We're going to look at the owner and we're going to say, if this owner want needed someone to come in to replace what he's doing on a day-to-day -day basis uh, a non-owner i guess you would say mm -hmm. what is the fair market value how much would that cost the business you know let's mm -hmm. say let's say if you're bringing in someone else you say well that business it's, it's going to cost a uh, hundred thousand for for that employee to come in and do the things that you're doing and again i know this is it's it's, it's there's gray area and a business owner wears many hats so that's why it's very important to list and understand on a day-to-day -day what the business owner is doing. So, well, in the gray area, I think, you know, it's a good point there, Brandon, is the gray area is where you negotiate with your future buyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so 
that being said, so then we look at the income method. We look at an, uh, a market method. So comparisons, one of the one of the uh, methods, is, and that means we, have, you know, as as appraisers, we have access to, you know, multiple databases that hold actual um, transactions, you know, sales. Mm-hmm. So, so that that process would be is we would look at, you know, we'd get a range of comparables. Ideally, the most, you know most closest related to that business. I mean, we got to start with a wider net and figure out, okay, what's out there and then kind of scale down to something that closely, you know, relates to that business. And then we have different, like, I guess you can say different percentiles. So if, well, I think that's, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, going back to even like my old industry, like in, you know, so for the listeners that are curious of what that means, I mean, you're looking at like debt to equity ratios, right? Like how much debt do they have? Right. So you're, yeah, you're, you know, your shares will, Sales are twelve million, but like, yeah, you've got twelve million more. <laughs> right? Right. Everybody, everybody else in the industry's got two. So, like, what other are the things that you're looking at? I mean, is it like actual P and Ls of other people saying, okay, well, this is the sales cost. This is like, I mean, what is what are the actual things you're comparing? So, yeah, good point. So, on the on the market side, we're looking at transactions. Um, we're going to look at we're looking at you know, you know, and they don't provide all the details, but they're going to provide you, you know, this business was doing X amount of revenue. Had X amount in it, uh, had X amount in seller discretionary earnings. Um, it had this amount included in the sale, so it had this amount of inventory, this amount of fixed assets, in which then, you know, depending on on how much they're buying it for, the difference is between the hard assets and I don't want to. This could be a whole different conversation. The difference between the hard assets and the enterprise value is, you know, the intangible, the goodwill. They're paying, you know, they're paying X amount for all the things that are happening in the business that provide, that produce X amount of cash flow, you know, above and beyond the return above and beyond just what, you know, just what your worth of your tangible assets, your fixed assets. That makes sense. So well, it does. And, and I don't know if we want to go down that yeah. just a little bit because like um, you and I were just talking, I just read this book called capitalism without capital. And for yeah. the listeners, that is a amazing book. Um, and it talks all about, how the balance sheets of companies these days are changing dramatically because we have less stuff because yes. software and processes and lean, you know, procedures and all that, which are, how do you value those things? And yet the people and the culture, everybody says, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Well, great. Well, how do you value that? Right. And so, you know, the goodwill and, and stuff like that, how are, you know, and then intangibles maybe explain or if I already did, but like, how do you, how are you taking yeah. that into consideration? So in that, in that, so that's a good point where, I think it's now more important than ever to really start, you know, understanding these, you know, the, the, this valuation and you know, the things that go into it because right. You kind of society in general is kind of moving, you know, for sure in certain industries is moving away from the industrial where it's really capital intensive. There's really, you know, there's a lot of assets, a lot of stuff that you have on your balance sheet that you're using to produce income for your business where now you're getting into where we have these a lot of these different processes, this technology where you're you're using a service-based business, you know, where it's just people that are generating <laughs> generating income for your business. Um, so to your point, you know, as far as valuation, to kind of simplify it, it all goes back to the equation where, okay, well, your business, it's you know, it has this rate of return. It's it's has this amount of cash that it's producing. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter how much assets you have. It's the cash that you're producing. This is why the income method is very important. You know, so let's say, for instance, 
you know, just to simplify it, your normalized cash flow, normalized EBITDA is say 300,000 a year. You might only have, if it's a service business, you might only have $50,000 of assets on your balance sheet, maybe even less, mm -hmm. just your equipment, your computer, um, maybe some software. I mean, I mean, just very little asset, tangible assets you have, but your business is, you know, making, you know, a small business is making 300,000 a year of, of cash, cash flow EBITDA. And that's when we look at the flip side, there's your rate of return. How likely, you know, is that going to continue? What someone's going to pay for that business? What kind of risk? So boom, from there, let's say if you multiple five, that, um, that business, let's say a multiple five and you have 300,000 for simple point, that's 1.5 million in value. So you look mm -hmm. at that and say, okay, someone's willing to pay that amount. You got 1.5 million in value. Your assets, your tangible assets on your, on, on your um, balance sheet is 50,000. Well, that, you know, on kind of to make it simple, well, you got 1.45 million in, in goodwill, intangibles. And, and so to kind of, under, mm -hmm. kind of tie that back, so that intangible value is everything that's related into that. So it's your relationships with your customers. It's your client list. It's your employees, you know, the employees that you have that are out there servicing your, um, your customers. It's your procedures. It's your operations. So that means your documents. You have, if you have things that are, you know, everything's documented out, you have your processes, everything's running smoothly. Well, that's going to go into your value, your intangible value. All these things that make up your business that people, you know, it's hard to kind of understand what, what, what is goodwill, blue sky, all these, you know, things. What is it worth? These are all the things that essentially, at the end of the day, people, what they're buying a business for is how much cash are they, you know, what kind of return are they going to get on it? And how, well, and I think you, you brought up a lot of really good points there, Brandon. And I think to expand on that is yep. how transferable yep. it is, right? So let's say, I mean, you, yeah, because you don't have, you know, Warren Buffett always used to, he used to look at the balance sheets before there was an internet and it was like, okay, well, you know, worst case scenario is I have this thing, you know, I liquidate everything and the balance sheet is worth more than the, the enterprise value that it's on, on the stock market right now, right? Well, you can't really do that anymore. So when you're looking at that, that 300 grand, what is, what is my confidence level that that will continue in the future, right? And you alluded to a lot of that, which is systems, right? Do you have a project management system? Are you showing like, you know, how people are allocating their time? Are you not engaging with the customers, but you have an employee that's doing that, right? So, I mean, all, you, you nailed it. It's like the transferability of that cash flow. I actually, you and I both know John Thwing and he, from uh, the yes. quote unquote SBA guy. And he, when he does some of the financing, I'm sure he's done mm -hmm. some valuations for him, but he says, yeah, he does a lot of digital uh, online companies, e-commerce. He goes, sometimes there's just a, a domain and a flash drive at closing that for some yeah. $5 million company. You know, it can seem crazy. Like you're paying $5 million in at, yeah, at closing. It's like, here, here's your flash drive. Here's, 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 my, here's my, you know, <laughs> my number of my business, my phone number and my domain name. There you go. Good luck. But, and that's the thing is, and where I think it's very important that we're having these conversations. We're digging into it. We're getting into the details to kind of show how that's all coming into play to, to, to get these values. And, and then now you can apply that to any business, any business you can apply that to where you can say, okay, now I can figure out how to work on getting people in place where it's not so reliant. The cash flow is not so reliant on me. I can diversify to, to a certain extent, some of my clients to that way, if I'm buying some, you know, if someone's buying my business and let's say one client, 
know, based off the relationship that I had, decides to end it and go somewhere somewhere else, that's not a huge risk. It's not a huge impact on on you know your cash flow. It's a diversified portfolio. Exactly, of exactly. So there's and you we could you know we could spend all day talking about all the little things that go into just running a business and you know, what things that you could focus on. And, and that's why I think the importance of it where, and I, I kind of want to touch based on, you know, evaluation, of course, it's good to talk about evaluation report is, is helpful, you know, depending on, you know, what the business owner is doing with it and what they're getting out of it. But from there, so that, that that's what I was getting to. So that is exactly why <laughs> I'm kind of hoping to get more into, you know, that's why when, when we connected on LinkedIn and we ended up having, you know, uh, conversation and coffee and talking where I got really excited because unfortunately I think a lot of people, a business owner or someone will, will order evaluation and say, okay, this is something that I have to do, you know, start this process. They go through, you know, I go through my process. I do my due diligence. I, I, at the end of the day, I'm providing my opinion on the value of this company. At the end of the day, they get a stack, a stack of papers, a report. They take that, they look at the number, and then they put it in the shelf or put it somewhere and they don't look at it and they don't touch it until they're ready to sell. So that is my trying to, so that's what I'm you know, excited with what you're doing is, okay, you get your value, dive into it, understand what are the key drivers, what are the things that are helping that value or, or not helping that value. Okay, now you got that starting point. Let's say if you want to exit in three to five years, okay, here's all the things that you can be doing, working on, you know, on a daily basis or a monthly basis to improve that value where the second time around, especially let's say, okay, in, I don't want to go off on a, on a tangent here, but especially let's say if you got your initial value and, and you identified some things, you started working on improving those, getting things in place, processes, employees, um, you're scaling up back from being so tied in the business. And then three to five years from now, you have all this support, all this stuff that you've been documenting, working with, you know, professionals or individuals to help you get to X value or X, you know, exit point. Now, when you go present to a, a buyer and you're trying to, you're ready to list or, you know, and that's some of the stuff that you can maybe talk about on, on you know, maybe not in this podcast, but now you have everything in place and saying, here's why I believe this is why I'm selling my company for X price. Instead of saying, Oh, my EBITDA is X amount. And I just picked three. That's what you should, <laughs> or, or like, what do you think it's worth? Yeah, what, I mean, I literally just got a text from one of my friends, and he's gonna know if he's listening. Is yeah, we're just waiting to get, uh, have the buyer just shoot us what they think, and I'm like, that's the worst idea ever. Why would you let? Why would you leave it up to someone else? <laughs> Take exactly, and, and honestly, this is a chance where you could do your you could do your homework, your due diligence, because you know your business more than than the buyer. So this is a where you can show like, here I have all these things in place. Over the last three to five years, I've, I, I've done all these things to make sure this cash flow is the most transferable to any buyer. Um, everything, you know, that's all this stuff that you're going to do is going to help your value. So that's why, you know, when me and you go back and forth and we have such good conversations because, you know, you can understand it on, on your end, you know, going through that process, you know, early on with your family business, seeing how that played out. Now, you know, going through and, and connecting all the dots. And then on my end, when I'm diving into the valuation and, and looking at these specific drivers and things that are increasing, decreasing your value, how, you know, we can figure out how to can now tie that together 
and get things through an eventual, eventual exit, right? Because I yeah. mean, think you know, I just I I can't imagine out of 130 134 valuations, how many times you're just like, well, see ya, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yep, yep. No, like here are all the things, and I think a note for the listeners is you know, let's say, okay, well, you know, I'm making 300, you know, so I'm maybe netting, I got a salary of 125 and I've got a cash flow of 300 or 500 or million, whatever the heck it is, is if I have to hire a CFO at 125 grand, that's going to eat out of my personal cash flow now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't buy my boat or my cabin or whatever the hell it might be. First of all, it should give you more free time, yeah. but also that $125,000 could potentially return you 500 to a million on the value of your company. Yeah. So there's a direct, if, if you think about the final goal, yes. these are investments. It's not just eating out of your pocketbook, which I think so many people play games and they're like, well, great, great. I mean, it's all about the, the annual when they don't realize they're screwing themselves in the back end. And that's, that's an awesome point that you brought up and, and to kind of tie this all together is exactly, you know, you're, you're, you're making that initial investment, but you're going to get so much more, return on the back end. Once you have that, that management, that key executive in place, you know, you know, running everything and getting up to speed, then on that back end, you're going to get that return far more than you trying to save a hundred thousand yourself and, and doing everything and working 60, 70 hours a week. And who wants to do that anyways? You know, who wants, <laughs> right. you know, it's not a good sales pitch anyway. Right. It's like, here, here's my business. I work 80, you know, 70 hours a week. I'm over, I'm, I'm over buried. I'm stressed. Here, please take it and buy it for me. Oh, doesn't it sound intriguing? Yeah, here, give me $2 million for that. Well, and, and, and I think, you know, just to kind of start to finalize the, the, the conversation here is I think even in light of your exit option, which you and I have talked about a lot of, okay, so, you know, all of these different things in your value, that, that gray area depends on who's buying it. I think what, you know, what you've been talking about, Brandon, is there's ways to do all this. And at the worst case scenario, you have another financial buyer that can buy your cash flow because they're an investor, right? But the best case scenario is you're driving towards a specific outcome, whether it's a family transition, an ESOP, or a third-party strategic buyer, and you're doing strategic things so that way they'll want you. And worst case scenario, you've made a transferable business and then you can sell to any financial buyer. So I think there's just so many ways to tie what you're doing and then like have it as a you've given them up here into the looking glass, right? I mean, like, otherwise they're just running blind. Exactly. And that's, and that's the, the nice thing about having a business owner take some time to go through these things, to kind of understand them and to, you know, and not, you know, and to organically grow and make the business worth more. Right. So it's not like, I'm not saying, cause some people, I think they get so focused on, on, on the EBITDA or, or, or their, their P and L so what they're doing is, and I had this experience just recently where a, a buyer, you know, this is his mindset was, okay, I'm selling my business in a couple of years and it was a landscaping company. So he said, I'm going to stop updating my equipment. I'm going to stop maintenance of my equipment because so, it's saving me money, right? Well, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things as a valuer I look at. So I said, okay, okay, yeah, you, <laughs> there's less cash going out the last two years, but that hurts your value because when I look at, your business and say, okay, here's, let's say, and this is where I think, and I don't, I don't want to go off on too much here because we want to wrap this up and, that, and we can talk about this for, you know, for, for all day, but the issues with just taking a straight EBITDA calculation at times by three, you have a business, you know, a business that relies on certain assets, uh, equipment, you know, lawnmowers, all that stuff. He has old assets. He hasn't been constantly maintenance to replace them. You have another business that has the same EBITDA, but all his assets are new. 
Well, I'm going to look at that and I say, well, that business can be worth more because I know when I'm projecting out the cash flow, he's going to have less capital expenditures going forward where the mm -hmm. old business is going to have to have all these replacements to kind of catch up after the new buyer. So that's going to hurt his cash flow. So I, you know, I, that's one of my jobs is looking at that and capturing that. So, and just to, well, and I, even to expand on that, Brandon, and then, <laughs> and I, like I said, I know we could go all day, but it's, yeah. Do the do what's intelligent, right? Don't play the games like that. But if you if you have a plan in place, so let's say you're do like for example, I mean personal experience is we sold to a third party competitor, right? Yep. And I was due for about oh God, 150, 200 grand worth of um, expenditures for my servers, ear, all this stuff, right? I mean, like all the like it was a ton of stuff, but we literally didn't need them, and it wasn't an EBITDA sale because yep. there was strategic synergies. Yep. So like be, be, be intelligent, don't, right? Yeah. Yep. So do what you need to do, but that's why if you tie into the end goal, you don't have to, I mean, what we did do that was stupid is we spent about 400 grand over the course of the 18 months prior rebranding. That was dumb. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like shouldn't have done that, but it would, <laughs> it would have been really good for any like financial buyer, but like it, we didn't get the return at all. So I think it's that's just a good point. That, exactly what you're talking about, but then tying it to, yeah, being smart. What's the ultimate game? What's, what's the so, ultimate game? Yep. What What's your? And that's where there's each business could have a different. Each business owner could have a you know different exit option or what they want out of their business or who they want to sell it to. So again, going back to your point, figuring out your exit option, figuring out what you want, then going back and reverse engineering and what are the things that you can do today. So the things you could do today is figure out what your company's worth if you don't know it and. That's what you do. So for the listeners that are wanting to get a look into their fortune cookie, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Yes. Um, so you can give me a call. Give me a call anytime. 763-777-7140. Uh, so you, and that'll go you know, to my, my number. And otherwise, email. Contact me, email. Uh, Brandon.Hall at B ghvaluation.com. Um, and then all that information will be in the yep, show notes as well. Yep. Yep. Otherwise you can, you know, I know you, if you have a link from my website, you can hop on there. You can see a little bit of what, you know, what I do, some of the services I provide. Um, you can order, you know, you can get in contact with me for evaluation then. So yeah. Well, Brandon, I had a blast, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ah, love it. Thanks. Thanks. That was, that was awesome. Well, I hope that wasn't too much for you. There's a lot of takeaways there. There is so much to do with business valuations, understand what your company's worth, but the reality is don't overcomplicate it. Figure out where you're at right now. Start learning, start educating yourself of what is your company's real value to someone else. Look at your business from a buyer's perspective. Best way to do that is to go on to the website, get your value builder report on the eight key drivers, get a business valuation using our biz equity software or call Brandon. Figure out where you're at right now before you call and you want to dump your company tomorrow. I mean, honestly, we I had five people that reached out this last week that says, hey, I want to sell my company within the next three to four months. It's way too late. You can't do anything. You can't fix it. There's so many things you need to do ahead of time and go get what you deserve. You, you spent so much time and effort and risk building this business. So 
please just go on and get some baseline, do some education, reach out to me, give me a call, reach out to Brandon. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and you got some big takeaways. I will look forward to seeing you next week when we're diving into net proceeds and how to determine actually how much money you make because evaluation is just the top line and not how much money you take home.